doesn't get much better than sitting on a picnic blanket, enjoying handmade beers and handmade films on a beautiful summer's eve. The Clips of Faith Beer and Film Tour is a celebration of the whimsical spirit of summer, craft brews, and sustainability. From May to October, from Charleston to Des Moines to Santa Cruz, Clips of Faith presents a smorgasbord of films from professional and amateurs alike. So hop on your bike and pedal on down to the outdoor cinema coming to your town. Check out the dates and places at clipsoffaith.com. With additional support, from Kuat Rax and Patagonia. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. When I reach the parking area for the trailhead, it's still deep in the shadow of the San Francisco peaks. At 6.15 in the morning, I want it to be. It has been hot in Flagstaff this June, and I don't relish the idea of hiking in the sun. Besides, there are miles to be driven today, and despite the call of southern Utah, this must be done first. My car is the first to arrive. While I'm gathering my backpack and exchanging my sandals for hiking boots, another car arrives. The driver appears to be on a road trip from the east with his dog in tow. We exchange typical pleasantries before he gets specific. Been up here before, he asks? I nod. Lots of times, but the last one was probably ten years ago. What do you think of the weather? I hear it can get pretty sketchy up there. I ponder the gray clouds circling the mountain above. This will probably burn off. I feel like the local expert. If you get caught above treeline when a monsoon rolls in, you need to get down fast. It's real exposed, and the lightning can get interesting. As I finish lacing my boots, he nods. Going all the way to the top? No, I answer. Just the saddle. It will be far enough. Flagstaff has always felt like home, no matter how far I've traveled. During my childhood, my parents would pack me up and we would spend the summer at Northern Arizona University living in student housing. We would fill hours and days catching trout in the local lakes and exploring trails through the Ponderosa forests. It felt a world away from the desert of Yuma where we would spend the rest of the year. There's a magic in Flagstaff that makes me feel whole and at peace. This magic is here for my dad as well. As I got older and my parents divorced, my father would collect me in the summer and we would range farther in our explorations of the West. We would drive to Montana or Wyoming, then decide randomly that we wanted to see Seattle. We'd cross Idaho and Washington before turning down the coast and following the highway through Oregon on our way home. We would find small towns on the edge of wilderness, and he would tell me, If I ever disappear, look for me here. He imagined himself a mountain man born a hundred years too late. Staring at the Columbia River, he would see himself with Lewis and Clark on a great journey into the unknown. When he looked at these isolated places, he could see beyond his current problems and hope for peace. We could spend hours in comfortable silence, taking turns driving and reading as we crossed barren terrain before gawking simultaneously at landscapes we had scarcely imagined as real. At night, my father made what I now recognize as halting attempts to explain to me the pain that he buried so deeply. We would stare at our campfires, me with a Dr. Pepper and he with a scotch, and we would talk about where his life had led. As the nights wore on, he would try to tell stories of the horrors of the Vietnam War, 
the deaths of his friends and the unbearable sights that he had seen. He did this not to burden me, but to try and lighten his own load, to know that he would still be loved despite everything he had seen and done. I cherished these trips and the memory of the man I shared them with. They nurtured a love of the outdoors that I cannot imagine being without. When my father died in December, he was surely a casualty of the Vietnam War forty years late. Haunted by his past, he couldn't make the choices he needed to stay healthy, and so he left us. don't forget your dad, my wife prods gently with a smile. It's gallows humor, but it's comforting. It really would be his luck to be forgotten for this trip. My backpack contains a small brown box. Inside is the sum total of a life of nearly 65 years, approximately eight pounds of ash. He told me that when his end came, he wanted to be cremated and his ashes spread in Lockup Meadow. Nestled into the inner basin of the San Francisco peaks outside Flagstaff, the meadow was his favorite refuge. Dad and I drive up Snowball Road with Jimmy Buffett on the stereo. My dad loved Jimmy and the life of freedom, fun, and adventure that he represents. For our last drive, it is the only soundtrack we will need. Shortly after arriving at the trailhead, we leave the road tripper behind and make our way into the blue-gray of the shadowed woods. It's quiet now. Small animals chitter and scamper around, and the mountain overhead slowly gains definition as the light changes. As we hike, we come across several deer, perhaps surprising them to be on the trail so early. I point them out to my dad with a chuckle. I chat with chipmunks and stop to admire the view, but ultimately I climb and play back memories of our trips together hiking into the Grand Canyon along with my uncle, fishing trips of 4,000 miles where he caught almost nothing despite crossing the greatest fishing waters in the United States. In Yellowstone, we woke up to elk touring our campsite, while in Glacier we glissaded down the dirty snow still present in July at Logan Pass. My father was always on the lookout for the 45-year-old divorcee and her teenage daughter that he was sure we would find neighboring our next campsite. And my favorite memory of our time together? When I was 15, I wanted to learn to bow hunt. Despite total ignorance, my dad decided to take me hunting in the forests of the Kaibab Plateau. What we would have done had I actually killed a deer was a question that we would ponder for years since neither of us had any idea how to clean and dress an animal. On our second night, a thunderstorm caught us off guard while we were grilling steaks. We scrambled for cover in our tent, only to look out and discover that despite a drenching rain, we had managed to light not only the grill on fire, but also the stump the grill was sitting on. My father, never one for mechanical aptitude of any sort, grumbled, swore, and eventually laughed himself hoarse. When given the opportunity to take a shot, I learned that for me, it was more important to be able to see nature up close than to harvest it. I let my deer pass, and like my father, decided that hunting was something I would not pursue.
Two hours after setting out, I reach the saddle and take a deep breath to relieve the burning in my lungs and legs. Living near Chicago has ill-prepared me for this hike to 11,500 feet. Around me, Arizona crashes out to the horizon in all its greens, pinks, browns, and grays. Below me, the steep scree of the mountain gives way to the last of the winter snow before being swallowed by aspen and pine. It is a fitting place for him to rest. I look around, making sure that I am alone before I start to skirt the law. The land here is tundra and extremely fragile, so I pick my path carefully to a rock outcropping overlooking the inner basin. I kneel down and withdraw the plastic bag containing his ashes and slowly untie the knot. I'm not sure what to say. My father was not religious, and neither am I. Okay, Dad, I start, and then sing the first verses of his favorite Jimmy Buffett song ending with the chorus. But there's this one particular harbor, so far but yet so near, where I see the days as they fade away, finally disappear. Goodbye, Dad. I love you. I offer this up, then gently pour the ashes down the side of the mountain, watching as some swirl back into the air. It is closure for me, and surely peace for him. The winds, rain, and snow will carry him down the mountain into the meadow that he loved so much. I can only hope that the Kachinas of the mountain will welcome him home. My dad's passion for the outdoors shaped my own. Now I have my own sons, and it's my turn to help them appreciate the wild places of the world. I resolved to take the same kind of trips with them as my dad took with me, to show them things outside their normal world and to try and live a life authentic to the things that I hold to be important. I promised myself that if my dad could not live the life that he wanted, surely I should try to live the life that I want and to teach my sons the same. And when we arrive again in those same small towns, I hope to find a piece of him there. As I watch my father drift away, I drink some water, have a sandwich, and then start down the mountain alone. Oh, fortune, bring fortune to spare. My name is Darren Darty, and this is my short. Time's passing, and we're worse for where. Darren worked hard to get his recording worked out before his next big adventure, Baby Number Two. Congrats to you and your wife, Darren. Music today by the Terminal Orchestra, The Sound of 73, and Dan Mangan. You can download the tracks for free at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the diaries comes from New Belgium Brewing. Their brewmasters have been hard at work over their latest potion, Red Hoptober. It's a hoppy malt tinged with caramel and coffee aromas perfect for all your fall sessions, wherever they may be. Find Red Hot Tober and all their flavors at newbelgium.com. Support for the show also comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. With aluminum construction, innovative design, and a lifetime warranty, they're creating racks with you, their fellow riders, in mind. Check out their award-winning NV Rack at kuatracks.com. The diaries wouldn't be possible without the good people at Patagonia. Thanks a bunch to all our sponsors. I'm Fitzcahal, and that was Darren Darty, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. <laughs> <laughs>